Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. This weekend was a very good weekend for the president, but even more fundamentally, it was a very good weekend for the country. Uh, we've had now two years of this special prosecutor investigation, and during the entire time, virtually every Democrat and all the media has been breathlessly covering every minute of it, insisting collusion, 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 collusion. Well, we now have the report from the special counsel. The special counsel concluded there was no evidence, zero evidence of, of collusion. That's a big deal. Not only that. But we also now know that both the Attorney General Bill Barr and the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein concluded that none of the evidence supports charges of obstruction for justice, so obstruction of justice, which means everything the Democrats and media have been talking about for two years was lacking in a factual basis. And, and, and the entire media has egg on their face. And, and what are they doing now? They're, they're not apologizing. They're not backtracking. They're, they're not saying, gosh, our facts were wrong. Instead, they're attacking. We're seeing every Democrat pivot to say, oh, well, no, 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 never mind about conclusion, never mind about crimes or evidence. And, and mark my word, Sean, the House Democrats are going to impeach the president anyway, not because of any evidence, not because of any crimes, but because of the fact that he's Donald Trump and they hate Donald Trump. And, and, and it's showing just how extreme they are. Senator Sanders, do you accept the, the Mueller report if there's no collusion? If there's no collusion, are you going to accept the Mueller report? What we need right now is to see the full report. But when you read the full report, and there's no collusion, and there's no collusion, what will Thank happen you. then? That's all, sir. Thank you. What will happen then, sir? If there's no collusion in the final report, what will happen then, sir? Thank you, Senator. What will happen then is what Ted Cruz said is going to happen then. They're going to impeach him anyway. They just can't help themselves. I heard Sean Davis yesterday talking about what this looks like for the media, this whole, uh, you know, two and a half, three year investigation into the president, which resulted in his exoneration. Unlike Justice Smollett, you see, President Trump actually was exonerated. I think this is probably the biggest, uh, most consequential screw up. Uh, of the last 25 to 50 years. It is difficult uh, to really comprehend or, or overstate the damage that the media did to the country, to their own reputation, to the Constitution. This was an absolute catastrophe. But uh, they won't admit that, really. You know, that's, that's, it's fascinating to me, it really is, that you have uh, Adam Schiff still out there, people calling for his you know, res resignation from the House Intelligence Committee. That's not going to happen. Because to do that, you'd have to have some shekel, some pride, some, you know, some moral. And, and he obviously doesn't. But you, you're really, um, you have to wonder, what's going to be the ultimate price that the media pays for this? I mean, obviously, you can give yourself all the Pulitzer Prizes that you want for your supposed great uh, coverage of the news. But in the final analysis, there's no question that the numbers for CNN dropped immediately after the Mueller report summary came out.
And once the Mueller report comes out, I'm predicting that there will be very few people, except maybe for family members, who will uh, watch that television station at all. Because there's one thing that, that the American people are very good at, and that is um, discerning motives. We don't always understand why people do what they do, but we do understand that if we are careful in studying them, it will be revealed. The American public as a whole is very smart. I, I don't know that each individual is smart, but as a whole, we're really smart. We knew um, that the new Green Deal, Green New Deal, whatever it's called, yesterday, when was brought to a vote, would yield the results that it yielded. First and foremost, uh, you couldn't get one single Democrat to vote for it. Now, they abstained, most of them. I think you had three or four who voted against it. Uh, the usual, Joe Manchin, you know. But you had 47 abstaining, you know, not voting in either direction. What cowardice, right? I thought Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker and all those people were saying that we do need this Green New Deal and that it's time for them to do something bold and, uh, and to stop pretending that it's going to get better if they just ignore it, right? Wasn't that the whole present? Uh, I mean, the whole precedent? I, I, I give up. You know, it seems to me that there is a, there's just no reason to watch the news anymore. I have literally given it up for all intents and purposes. Now, I was in the car yesterday with my husband coming home in the 8 o'clock hour, and he has serious satellites, so I did get to hear about 15 or 20 minutes of the uh, Tucker Carlson show. But um, I'm just basically cheering for Tucker because they're trying to destroy him, and anytime. The uh, the powers that be, the media forces that be, try to destroy a conservative or even a, a moderate. I don't think that uh, you could call him a true conservative, but he's certainly on the side of conservatism or moderation. Um, I, I cheer for them. So I allowed that to play on the radio for a period of time. Wasn't very interesting, though. I got to tell you, we're all pretty much in the same place talking about the same things. And that's just the way it is. People in red state America, people who live in the areas of the country that will never visit New York or never visit uh, Washington, D.C., they don't see things the same way that the people in those urban centers do. You know, they look at this Jussie Smollett thing and they just roll their eyes. And they think to themselves, you know, more unfair politics. And they become disillusioned and disenchanted. There's no question about it. You know, much like watching these new newcomers, and I'll be talking about this tomorrow at great length, these uh, newcomers in the House of Representatives that are the bosses, they have all declared themselves the bosses. It's, it's like hilarious to me. You have this uh, AOC and her New Deal. You have uh, um, Omar, this, uh, this, this lunatic anti-Semite from Minnesota, you know, it's amazing to me. They had hundreds of protesters outside the CARE fundraiser over her. They had protesters in front of APAC. And, and she has the audacity 
to uh, to 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 tell Nancy Pelosi yesterday that it was beneath her to say that uh, we're against the BDS movement, that it's not it's un-American. I'm sorry, but you have to ask yourself a question then. Who's in charge of the House of Representatives? I, that's my question. You got these new new blood, this new freshman class that have decided they're uh, you know they're in charge. She clashes with the speaker all the time. This Omar first it was with the anti-Semitic comments, and uh, you know after AOC declared herself the boss. But you got to ask yourselves: Is it really Ilhan Omar who has the House Democrats on a leash? None, nobody dares to criticize her. They were so afraid to censure her for her anti-Semitic comments that they actually passed a resolution condemning Islamophobia instead. You know, Ocasio-Cortez shows up in the Speaker's office to protest on climate change. Then Pelosi brushes off her Green New Deal as a green dream. She clashed again with Pelosi over her condemnation of Omar's comments about Israel. So there's no love lost, right? Not only did Nancy Pelosi break ranks with the other Democrats who all said they weren't going to speak at the APAC conference, but she condemned the BDS movement against Israel. Now, I don't give Nancy uh, credit very often, but I'm going to give her credit for this. She said, we must be vigilant against bigoted or dangerous ideologies masquerading as policy, and that includes BDS, Pelosi said at APAC. Omar, a vocal supporter of sanctions against Israel, responded later in the day by telling reporters on Capitol Hill that the BDS movement was an exercise of free speech. A condemnation for people that want to exercise their First Amendment rights is beneath any leader. And I hope that we find a better use of language when we are trying to speak as members of Congress that are sworn to protect the Constitution, Omar said. Nobody's trying to deprive you of your freedom of speech, Omar. Well, not here in this country. Where you come from, you're deprived all the time in Somalia and in all of the Muslim countries. You're loud and proud with your anti-Semitism. She's already won this battle within the Democrat Party. There's no way that she's going to be able to hide her contempt for Israel with what's going on right now. And it's about time for the Republicans to put a resolution against the BDS movement to a vote. Make them take a position, every one of those Democrats, not just Speaker Pelosi, but all of them. Make them take a position. Or do they continue to allow uh, Ilhan Omar to roll the speaker? Yeah, apparently they're going to. You know, I want Nancy Pelosi to put it on the floor, an anti-BDS resolution. And I want to see how Debbie Wasserman Schultz votes. I want to see how uh, Rashida Tlaib votes. I want to see how Ted Deutsch votes. I want to see how Hakeem Jeffries votes. Get them all on the record. Let the American people see once and for all the the strain of anti-Semitism that's grown up in the Democrat Party. Especially let those Jews sitting alongside of them see what's up. I want Debbie to, to, to stop covering for this creature. 
It's about time that they had to stand up for what they believe. She just opened up a can of whoop, you know what. I don't think she should have opened up. Somebody ought to put her in her place. And the first order of business, if Nancy Pelosi has any guts at all, any integrity at all, is kick her off that uh, Foreign Affairs Committee. And a subject that I haven't been talking about as much as I probably should, but it's just so frustrating and there's just so little um, that we feel, we feel helpless in this area, is uh, the border. I mean, the border crisis is totally out of control now, spiraling out of control. And just as we see that, two senior U.S. senators have decided to pour gasoline on the fire by reintroducing a massive amnesty bill The DREAM Act of 2019, introduced by Lindsey Graham, the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, and uh, the minority whip, Dick Durbin. This would grant amnesty to millions of illegal aliens already here and do nothing to stop the surge at the borders. And if you don't think it's a surge at the borders, the Department of Homeland Security released uh, these numbers just uh, just so you don't forget. They released 24,000 foreign family members who crossed through the U.S.-Mexico border over the course of two weeks this month. No, no, you heard me right. They released 24,000 over the course of two weeks this month. That's from ICE. Uh, The catch and release program has resulted in a mass release of border crossers and illegal aliens every single week. For months, the officials at DHS have said privately that the catch-and-release program has been taken to new heights, while the ICE union officials declared this week that the program was in, quote, overdrive under the direction of DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Between March 5th and March 20th, 24,000 border crosses and illegal aliens have been released into the interior of the U.S. while they await their immigration and asylum hearings. The vast majority of these foreign nationals never appear at their hearings, and the overwhelming majority are never deported from the country after their release by DHS. The catch-and-release process often entails federal immigration officials Bussing border crossers into nearby border cities and dropping them off with the promise that they will show up for their hearing sometime years later. 2,500 border crossers released in San Diego. 4,000 border crossers released in Phoenix, Arizona. 7,500 border crossers released in El Paso, Texas. And 10,000 border crossers released in San Antonio, Texas. Overall, in the last three months... 108,500 border crossers and illegal aliens have been released by DHS into the interior of the country. Nearly 50,000 of these border crossers and illegal aliens alone were released in the San Antonio area since the beginning of the year. Think about that. 108,500 family members into the interior? At the current rate, of uh, 36,000 border crossers and illegal aliens into the country every single month. Let's see. We're on pace to release half a million border crossers and illegal aliens into the country. This is a shame. 
aside from the border crossers and the illegal aliens who get caught by Border Patrol and then released into the interior, there's probably a half a million who successfully cross into the U.S. undetected in the same year. So we're looking at a million this year. We can't get a wall, and apparently we can't even, uh, you know, prosecute uh, hoaxes in this country anymore. Unbelievable. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional. Serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. know what happened in that last administration and what we do know didn't happen is that uh, the Obama administration and the president himself knew that Russia was trying to interfere in our election and did nothing about it. Why did they do nothing about it? Is it because they were sure Hillary would win or they didn't want to deal with it in the last months of their administration? And then you get people running roughshod over the justice process at the FBI trying to, really trying to rob tens of millions of Americans their rightful voice at the ballot box by sitting on the scales of justice. So sure, let's let's at least see who did what when, because had she gotten elected, we would never know any of this. This may have been so we know that no one in the Trump campaign was colluding with Russia, was talking to Russia. But do we know that the FBI, that a couple of bad actors at the FBI, the Department of Justice, in the Obama administration, could we say the same about them? Wouldn't it be something if that's really where the collusion, the coordination, and perhaps the conspiracy was happening? But those who want to move on, they got this party started. Kellyanne, you've been... They had that phony dossier and have gone from there. So let's let it all hang out and let America... We're patient people. We'll be here for the next six years. So let's let's at least take the time so that America gets the full story. I think she's right. They will be here for the next six years, and uh, they should get the whole story. I find it fascinating that uh, that the media, who should be trying to figure out what to, uh, you know, what to what to do to redeem themselves. Can I put it that way? To restore any kind of confidence that people might have had in them. You'd think the first order of business would be be to get a hold of. Uh, of President Obama and maybe Secretary Clinton and ask them a couple of questions about all of this. Because if the Mueller report that they were all saying was going to be the uh, consummate answer, if the Mueller report is true, which we presume it is, then what did they know and when did they know it? You know, and all of this has to go right to the top. You had all those unmaskings. You had spying on American citizens. You don't do that stuff without the Justice Department knowing what's going on, without the uh, Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General, knowing. And she reports to the President of the United States. Uh, that's, that's her superior. And it's bizarre to me that we're still uh, not even asking, when is uh, Barack Obama going to answer some questions about this? Because let's face it, this media is still in love with Barack Obama, and they wouldn't do anything to disturb him. He seems pretty ineffective, though, don't you think? 
I mean, I don't know how much credit he can take for the midterm election. I think the Republicans did that to themselves, particularly with all of the Republicans who decided not to run, like Paul Ryan and the rest of those uh, turncoats. But what really is, eh, I shouldn't say that. I don't believe they should run into perpetuity. I think that uh, while you're holding both houses, though, it has to be a consideration, giving up seats. But really, I, I, I want to know why the press is encamped out in front of President Obama's house right now and asking him, well, the Mueller report is in. The only... Uh, Indication we have is that, yes, the Russians did try to interfere with the election. You were the president at the time. Did you know about it? And if you did, why didn't you do something about it? And if you didn't know about it, why didn't you know about it? Aren't you curious now to know who withheld that important information from you? Because apparently the people in the Department of Justice knew, the people in the FBI knew. But I was listening to somebody last night talking about uh, John Brennan because, you know, I think he should be... I really think he should be, uh, you know, taken to task. It's not enough to just not have him appear on television anymore. I think uh, that he he should have to answer some pretty tough questions. Because if he could not figure out that this was a bunch of crap, this whole Mueller investigation, what kind of CIA director was he? I mean, I I don't feel very good about what might have been going on during those Obama years that we don't know about that will come back to haunt us right now. You know, this is these are questions that you would think the media would want to ask. And by the way, if I see one more showing of Joe Biden's regret over the Anita Hill hearing, I'm going to puke. You know, politics is such a grotesque display sometimes. Right. You know, all of a sudden. He has these regrets and it's all white aggression and white males are the only ones who do these kind of things. It was a good old white boys club in that. I mean, please, for goodness sake. You know, Clarence Thomas was done wrong. Anita Hill was not done wrong. Anita Hill became a celebrity over a lie. Nobody believed her. Even Joe Biden didn't believe her, but now he's all apologetic. He shouldn't have been so rough on her, even though he knew she was lying. Good God. One of the few decent things that Joe Biden ever did in the Senate, and now he is regretting it. He has fresh regret because he wants to run for president. That's what. Well, the Mueller report is going to be released. The Attorney General, William Barr, has made that announcement. I say bravo. So now what is Rachel Maddow going to do, right? You know, it's time to pivot to 2020. MSNBC's Trump-Russia ratings fizzle. The Mueller report and its potential implications have driven the network's coverage and their monster ratings for two years. Now it's ended with a whimper. The letter about uh, the investigation from William Barr found no clear evidence of collusion and it left some MSNBC personalities dumbfounded. (laughs) Uh, Several hours before the letter was released, former intelligence officer Malcolm Nance predicted on MSNBC that the report could technically eclipse Benedict Arnold (laughs) its level of treasonous activity. But when Nance returned to MSNBC several hours after Barr's letter was made public, the network contributor did little to hide his displeasure about why the investigation hadn't resulted in more criminal indictments. 
We've seen these things occur, and in any other standard, these people would have been arrested. They would have been polygraphed and would have been brought to trial. Really? Who? Samantha Powers? Over the past two years, Nance has been one of the most outspoken personalities commenting on the network's most important story, Mueller's investigation of Russian interference. Hosts like Rachel Maddow have seen their ratings increase as the investigation unfolded, while other anchors like Ari Melber have built major elements of their shows around interviews of witnesses of the investigation to get their perspective on Mueller's probe. But the uh, release of the letter threw a wrench into that narrative. Over the past several days, MSNBC and other media outlets have been the targets of criticism from Trump supporters and others who felt the network's journalists and commentators had spent too much time obsessing over the Mueller investigation and drawing conclusions that were not borne out by Barr's summary. The White House shared a meme mocking Maddow and Chris, Chris Hayes' coverage of the investigation. Conservative news outlets and prominent politicians also criticized former CIA director John Brennan, who predicted earlier this month that there could be further indictments and suggested that there may be evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Within MSNBC, there's an acknowledgement that the Trump-Russia narrative on which the cable network and especially its primetime star Maddow built monster ratings has fizzled for the moment. Insiders also claim not to be surprised by the conclusion of the long-awaited Mueller report, or at least the Trump-appointed Attorney General's summary was a whimper, not a bang, for an outlet that has invested so much time and energy in prime time and throughout its day parts in the notion that Trump is unworthy of the Oval Office and might at some point be forced to give it up. And it's also possible that the Mueller disappointment drove loyal viewers away in much the same way that people avoid looking at their 401ks when the stock market is down. Maddow, who has consistently vied for the first or second top-rated cable news program, was sixth on Monday evening, down almost a half a million total viewers from the previous Monday, as was their second top-rated program, The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell. Conversely, it was obviously a big couple of nights of Fox, said one network insider, claiming, however, that nobody at MSNBC is panicking. Many top on-air personalities at the network argued Monday night that the public should not jump to conclusions until it has Mueller's full report. Not a brief, vague summary written by Trump's attorney general. On her program Monday night, Maddow listed a number of unanswered questions from the bar letter. Can we expect President Trump and the Trump White House to finally accept the underlying... Fa- oh, you know, this is so sad. It really is. MSNBC's President Phil Griffin doesn't want to comment. The Mueller investigation, a huge story. We're going to keep doing our job, asking the tough questions. Joe Scarborough delivered a lengthy monologue admonishing Trump supporters and media critics who use the bar summary to discount major reporting by the New York Times, the Washington Post, and others on the Mueller investigation. He also acknowledged that while there were some bad actors, they didn't res- represent the responsible journalism done around here. Good God. What were we supposed to do? Shrug it off? Oh, my God. According to the Network Insiders, Viewers can expect to hear less about Trump's alleged collusion with Russians. Uh, So what are they going to talk about? I mean, now the report is going to be released. So what are they going to talk about? 
that his conduct, the ramping up of the 2020 presidential campaign? Good luck with that. Tonight, I think it's tonight they're doing the town hall on CNN with uh, Cory Booker. That should be a snooze fest. And then uh, I think there's a town hall coming up with um, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Is that really his name, Buttigieg? Seems like an unfortunate name for the first gay guy to be running. Something like that. Um, They're having an interview with him. Apparently, he's like the, the, the... the dark horse in this race. That no damn dark horse. He, he's a, half these people just need to go home. They <laughs> I, do. I'm I tired think he's of fascinating, it. man. You know, why is he fascinating? Well, who's the guy who's going to run on climate change now that they showed this latest um, this latest poll? What people are concerned about in America and climate change didn't make the top twenty. <laughs> Democrats got a guy who's running his entire campaign on that. The guy from Seattle can't even remember his name. Yeah, from Seattle. Yeah. Listen, there's too many of them. The I know. Point. It's not Hickenlooper. He's... Uh, <laughs> no, he's from Colorado. Right? right. This is the guy from uh, Seattle or from Washington State. God, I can't even remember his didn't, name. didn't support the Green Deal either. Hickenlooper yeah. is just fun to say. That's the only reason he's going to stay in the race for a while. Well, he has some good bits, but that's besides That's it. it. That's all he said. It's his home reason. Anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Oh, by the way, uh, Joe Paggs is coming on with me at 1230 today. Um, I'm going to kick around a few of the subject matter with Joe. He's one of my favorite uh, radio personalities. And since he does do a show on this program, I thought, let's do a little tete-a-tete with Joe today. Malkovich. There are some guys who just do villains better than they do with the endearing. Kevin Bacon, do you remember Six Degrees of Separation, the game? No. You never played that? Is that like my era, not no, yours? No, I, I think It's I called Six Degrees about. of Kevin like everybody's Bacon. Everybody's connected to him and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a parlor game. And any if you play it, you can find any two people in, on Earth are, you know, six or fewer acquaintances links apart. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon, it, you know, it, it's movies. You can He's in so many movies. Anyway, um, we were just talking about Colin. Apparently, Dumbo is getting terrible reviews. Terrible? Yeah. I've seen good reviews. I haven't seen one good. The live-action remake of the beloved 1941 animated film hasn't gone down particularly well with the critics. Uh, Tim Burton's new live-action CGI version of the beloved 1941 animated film is set for release this Friday with the likes of Colin Farrell, Danny DeVito, and Eva Green all starring. Reviews have been surfacing, the film failing to please a number of prominent critics. The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw said the spirit of the original film had been painfully detusked by Burton's new version. Tim Burton's new Dumbo lands in the multiplex big top with a dull thud. It is a flightless pachyderm of a film that saddles itself with a 21st century shame at the idea of circus animals. Overcomplicating the first movie, 
losing the directness, abandoning the lethal pathos, mislaying the songs, and finally getting marooned in some sort of steampunk Jurassic Park jam-packed with retro... Wow, what a review. It's like just lots of big words, but I don't get any feeling from it. Problem with this latest entry in Disney's ever-expanding range of recycled classics isn't that it hews too close to the studio's original animated masterpiece, but that its many departures only muddle the original's nursery rhyme simplicity. There's no nursery rhyme. It wasn't a nursery rhyme. It was a movie, a book. It was going to be so hard to try to make that movie. I would not want that task. Well, I don't know why they were so thrilled with the first movie. That movie gave me nightmares as a child. Dumbo, really? Yeah, they shot his mom. But they they, this, they shot Bambi's mom, too. I know. Those movies gave me nightmares. It was yeah, horrible. Kind of did, yeah. Dumbo was horrible. No, Dumbo he was like in a little much. prison of uh, circus life and... Oh, it was just so sad, the whole thing. It was a sad, sad movie, so I don't care. But, you know, Tim Burton, when he remakes classics, which he has done before, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory, they're different. They're so different that they're actually kind of likable. Because, you know, I could never imagine anybody other than uh, Gene Wilder being Willy Wonka, right? I mean, he was the best Willy Wonka. And yet, to watch... The Johnny Depp movie, it was just a dark version, you know. It's like yeah, Tim it Burton makes it a little dark, that's all. It's a little dark, yeah. Just I a little. I did enjoy it, but, yeah. You didn't enjoy it? No, I can't watch that. Man, I watched 30 minutes of it, and I, I'm done. Really? I can't. It just doesn't. All Tim Burton movies or just that one? No. All some... Johnny Depp movies? What? No. I, th- I went through all my uh, DVRs. They're in the back seat of my car. I'm going to just donate them to the Goodwill or something. Okay. Um, I had a complete collection of Johnny Depp movies, you know, every Johnny Depp movie. And I only kept, I think, four. My my favorites were Edward Scissorhands, Cry Baby, um, uh, Whatever Happened to Gilbert Grape. And that's about it. You know, and, and uh, I, I liked... Um, the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Other than that, you know, got rid of more astronauts. Why? They're all garbage. Sleepy Hollow. You know, uh, garbage. Garbage. That was another one that's just yeah. a waste of time, I feel like. I kept all my Kubrick movies, though. From Spartacus right straight through uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which has to be his worst movie with uh, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, who obviously had about as much sexual attraction to one another as you and I have pretty sad anyway stay where you are we'll be back 12 o'clock at 12 30 i'll be talking with joe pags our nighttime host right here on 850 wftl